High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, slumberers. Hope you're enjoying your winter breaks as we are about to usher in 2021. But we got some homework we have to do collectively together. I should say I had some homework over the weekend. And that was to watch pretty much every film of 2020. But we'll get into it. We'll talk about that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Just want to remind you that you have to Please, please, please help me out and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And while you're there, why don't you give us a little five-star rating? And while you're there, if it allows, give us a positive review. All that helps the algorithm to get High School Slumber Party to the place where it needs to be in the hearts and minds of America. Well, I'm glad it's in your heart and or mind because you're here, you're listening. I appreciate it. And remember, it's not just listening on High School Slumber Party. Class participation is a huge, huge part of your grade. So participate with us, please, on social media Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you could email me at high school slumber party at gmail.com. That's high school slumber party at gmail.com. And I hope you did some of your homework at least. I hope you listened to our episode on Friday. Of course, that was about a Christmas horror film. Better watch out. Joey Lewandowski was here, the godfather. It was fun. Also, Kyle Reinfried surprised us with a Zoom call. And we did a nice little little song for you guys. So, hope you enjoy that. And remember, you can catch that episode wherever you get your podcasts. And at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Dot M-E. And that's the home of the archive of High School Slumber Party, the old archive, where you can check out all the previous episodes of High School Slumber Party, all 170-something of them. Check them out, listen, let me know what you think, and probably most importantly, tell a friend about all the wonderful things we do here on High School Slumber Party. Bi-weekly for 2020, weekly for at least the start of 2021. Oh, and also, hope you had a wonderful holiday, Christmas if you were celebrating, and any other holiday you celebrate. And if not, well, hope you enjoyed whatever the winter brings you. That's for sure. Today we have a really fun episode, a really cool episode, a different episode. We're not covering one movie, we're covering a bunch of movies. That's right, the teen films of 2020. And 2021 was one of the most interesting and challenging years in my lifetime, and probably in the history of the world. We were forced into new norms like pandemic, civil unrest, quarantines, and for myself and this show, I covered more movies than ever. Why? Well, for once, I wasn't working nearly as much, so I had time 
to watch so many more films, but really, I just had to for my personal sanity. Talking high school movies kept me sane. It's as simple as that. There were weeks where I recorded four or five podcasts in in a week, and frankly, that's what got me through some really, really dark times. You know I always shout out our healthcare heroes here because I know so many people personally who are on the front lines here in New York and around the country. That's including the person closest to me in my own home. I didn't know if I would even return to work again. And I had it easy. While those close to me lost loved ones, I did not. But the fear was still there. So once again, plain and simple, I do not know what I would have done in 2020 without movies, without high school movies, and without this podcast. I really want to thank my guests for having a voice to talk to when I saw nobody but my immediate family for months. And I want to thank the slumberers, you listeners out there. Even if it's just one of you listening every week, it's better than shouting out into the void. Trust me. Thanks for sticking around. I hope I could provide you with a small bit of entertainment in 2020. But trust me, what you've given me is so much more than you can ever know and that what I can ever repay. So thank you once again, seriously, from the bottom of my heart. So for America's high schoolers, 2020 was a weird year too. Many of them were forced to leave the social norms of school for home education. The films of 2020 frankly, did not reflect this. How could they? They were mostly made in 2019, and the ones that weren't? Well, I don't know. But did you really want to see a movie this year with kids in masks or at home chatting with each other over Instagram and making TikToks? Well, as I say that, I'm sure someone's going to make that movie, and they're going to make a great movie of it one day. But for me, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Still, the landscape of 2020 left its mark on teen films, and that's why we're here today. Since high school slumber party movies gave me so much in 2020, I thought I owed the year in teen films an official look back and recap. What can I say? I grew up Catholic. Maybe this is my penance. Maybe this is my ten Hail Marys. Who knows? But before we get into that, I realized a couple things by looking back this year in teen films. First, there were a lot more teen films that came out this year than I thought they were. I only covered like four or five of them. We're going to end up talking about just over 30 of them. Just like high school, just like college, just like my whole life, frankly, I tried to cram in all of them at the last minute. I failed. So this is going to be a two-parter. And since Friday is already January 1st, 2021, I'm going to see if the godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network, Joey Lewandowski, will let me release part two on a special day before the end of 2020. Stay posted on that. But today is just part one. We're going to get through at least half of it. Another thing I realized is that the vast majority of 2020 movies were free to watch. And again, I'm using free in air quotes. Free as in electricity or water in your home, right? That's free. (laughs) Of course it's not, but it's essential and we take it for granted. I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me first world. But streaming services were essential for me in my quarantine. I pay way too much for them, trust me. But it's always nice to see that I don't have to pony up an extra $3 for a movie, you know? The vast majority of movies we'll talk about over the next two episodes were included in one of the streaming services I already owned. I suppose that's another product of 2020. Something else I realized is that I hadn't heard of most of these films, and I'm someone with my ear to the ground on high school movies. We didn't get a Booksmart or a Ladybird or a Mean Girls. You know, one of those event teen movies? And that's kind of why I'm doing this recap episode as well, but more on that in a second. I realized 
I may have watched more movies directed by women in the past weekend than we've covered in the entire history of the show. The movies were more inclusive than ever and told stories that were very different than what I'm used to covering on High School Slumber Party, that's for sure. On the other hand, I have to say there were a lot of similarities between all the films of 2020. I kid you not, the majority of them had a dead parent or a dead teenager. And when I say the majority... I'm not talking 51%. I'm talking over 90% of them dealt with death. With all that death, it's almost like they knew what 2020 was going to be about ahead of time. Now, most were based on YA novels. I credit, unfortunately, The Kissing Booth, but also to all the boys. I mean, I also have to credit The Fault in Our Stars and Twilight and things like that. But you could tell Netflix, which had a ton, a ton of these movies I watched, but also Hulu, Disney Plus, and Amazon were trying to follow that lead. I bet you can picture a 50-year-old man in a boardroom of one of these companies saying, we need our kissing booth, or we need our to all the boys. And hey, if any of you out there want my advice, you want to make a movie, my advice is write a YA book. Now, of course, the kissing booth doesn't deal with death, but to all the boys does. Yet it's still fun and quirky, you know? And many of the movies were like that. But also, a lot of these movies were very dark and very melodramatic. That's why I mentioned The Fault in Our Stars. And that's a far cry from movies like Summer School, Slumber Party Massacre, or even American Pie. And trust me, I like those movies, but it's almost like 2020 is course correcting for all those years in the 80s and 90s where we were just getting like silly teen male-centric sex comedies and low-budget horror films. It's clear that the teen films of 2020 tried to touch on real things rather than just to form some silly distraction. So were they a good distraction from what 2020 actually became after all? I honestly don't know. But overall, I'm so happy I crammed all these movies in. I really needed to do this. But also, I realized I'm probably going to cover most of these films in long form in future episodes. Yeah, 2020 was the year I realized that High School Slumber Party might end up being something closer to my life's work rather than a quick little jaunt through the high school hits. I mean, that's what I originally thought. I thought four years max and that was going to be a stretch. Oh no. If you keep producing 30 plus movies a year, Hollywood, I'm going to have to keep doing this. At least until someone kills me or something happens to me or I just give up in anger. Hopefully that won't happen anytime soon. But for today, it's not about the future. And it's not about nostalgia. It's about the year 2020 and what it gave us. I'm not going to be deep diving today or making any long reviews to borrow an analogy from my good friend and former guest of High School Slumber Party, the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried. Today is going to be like a menu. I hope you can take a look at it, sample some things in the future. Trust me, I'll be honest, but I also hope to be spoiler free. I'm sure some spoilers will slip out, and I apologize for that. But I want you to treat today as a menu for what you might watch going forward. I'm not going to outright bash anything unless it deserves it, honestly. <laughs> but you know, I miss so many of these, and I guess my point is, I don't want you to miss them either. There's this universal truth in teen films, and it was the truth in Rebel Without a Cause, it was true in American Graffiti, in Fast Times, in The Breakfast Club, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Clueless, 10 Things I Hate About You, Scream, Juno, the list goes on. And it's true today in teen films as well. Being a teenager is tough. It is 
hard. And that's the common thread here, really. Even in books about teens, plays about teens, from the beginning of written history, if there was teenage literature, I'm sure it dealt with this very thread. It's all there because it's true. It's one of the hardest times of your life, and no one will ever deny that. I think the film Chemical Hearts, which is the first film we'll be talking about today, summed it up really great. And honestly, it's really the thesis for the films of 2020. Hi. Hey, what's up? So, I couldn't sleep last night, so I was searching through Mrs. Klein's syllabus, and I noticed a very interesting trend. Uh, Look at them. Okay. Um, yeah. They're, um, all about young people. And they all involve suicide. Romeo and Juliet off themselves. Werther shoots himself. Holden contemplates suicide. Conrad tries to kill himself by slashing his wrists. This is what you were up thinking about last night? Yeah. Was that normal? Oh, Jesus. What? Well, I... Like, seeing down this week, so that's a little scary, okay. I guess. How do I explain this? Um, okay, think about what it means to be a teenager, okay? Your parents pressure you to succeed. Your, your, your friends pressure you to do shit you don't want to do. Social media pressures you to hate your body. It's hard, even if you're a well-adjusted kid from a good family. Okay. So now imagine you can't be with the person that you love, like Romeo and Juliet or Werther or you lose the person that you love, like Holden or Conrad. There is a reason why when every author from Shakespeare to Salinger writes about young people, they can't avoid the truth that being young is so painful. It's almost like, too much to feel. I mean, are you like suicidal? Oh God, I mean, Look, I'm not going to kill myself, but have I thought about what it would be like to just not be here anymore? Yeah. And I don't say that casually, but I do say it because hiding that shit and not saying it makes it worse. It should be talked about. All of our shit should be talked about. The teenage years are limbo. You're somewhere between being a kid and an adult and the world it tells you to be mature and express yourself but the minute that you do it tells you to shut up. The thing is adults are just scarred kids who were lucky enough to make it out of limbo alive. Which is why the theme of our last issue should be teenage limbo. Oh I love it. Adults were just scarred teenagers who were lucky to make it out of this teenage limbo alive. I loved that statement. I think it rang so true. Uh, So Chemical Hearts was a film that is available on Amazon Prime. It was done by Amazon Studios. That's where I watched it, of course. I think it's the only place you can watch it. It's based on a YA novel, Our Chemical Hearts, by Crystal Sutherland. It was directed by Richard Tan. And he wrote it, he produced it. Crystal Sutherland was also a producer. 
Um, and it stars Austin Abrams and Lily Reinhart. I wasn't too familiar with them, but I thought they did such a great job. They had great chemistry. They had interesting looks. I really enjoyed their performances. I think Austin Abrams is in Euphoria. A lot of the people we talk about today are in Euphoria. I promise you that. And Lily Reinhart. Apparently she's in Riverdale and she was in that movie Hustlers. I don't know. I only watch teen films. I don't really watch a lot of teen TV shows. I've dabbled in River, Riverdale. She plays Betty Cooper. So I think she's from that. So apologies for not knowing where some of these actors are from. But I thought they were both awesome. Awesome. And Chemical Hearts. Look, it's a movie about survival's guilt and young love and all these weird things. And frankly, it didn't get a lot of love from the critics. 61% by the critics. Not that great. 71% by the audience was probably closer to what it should be, but I even think it should be higher than that. I really enjoyed this. I don't know, maybe because I experienced death at a really young age that it spoke to me a bit more. Maybe because I watch all these teen films, it spoke to me a bit more. Maybe I'm in the demo, even though I'm in my 30s. Maybe I'm in the demo, and I shouldn't be in the demo. I'm not sure, but Chemical Hearts, definitely watch it. It's Look, it's a melodrama. It's dark. But I thought it was good. The main criticism people had from reading is that it was a lot like other films that they've seen before. Well, if you feel that way, you're not going to enjoy this episode because they're right. It is a lot like other films I watched for this year. But that's okay. This was one of the better ones, I think. So I'm going to give Chemical Hearts a little bit more praise than the critics did. Definitely, definitely check it out. So I'll be sharing these Rotten Tomato scores today, but definitely don't go by them. They're not the Bible. Use your own opinions, please, please, please. And I didn't even mention what Chemical Hearts is really about, but it's basically about two teenagers kind of, sort of, having a romance. Uh, one of them is a writer. Well, they're both writers, but one of them is recently transferred to a new school because her boyfriend just died, common theme here, in a car accident that they both were in, and they form this friendship that turns into romance but it's not romantic in a sense it's just honestly a lot of teenage feelings definitely definitely check it out survivor's guilt again is a big 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 part of this film another film that dealt with survivor's guilt was a netflix film actually all the bright places are you looking at violet market yep her sister died, right? For your class project, you must report on two or more wonders of Indiana. Can we choose our partners? For my geography class, this teacher wants us to do this project with a partner. I just don't want to do it. Well, maybe it's time to get back out there. What do you want from me? I think it would be good for you to get out. Maybe I don't want to get out. You might end up loving it. No, I won't. Two wanders. That's all. Serious question. What are you most afraid of? Being ordinary. So don't be ordinary. What's going on with you? You seem like goofy. What are you looking at? There's a kid on my lawn. I don't need you know what I like about you, Ultraviolet? Don't need what? You're all the colors in one. At full brightness. You know, people call you the freak, right? Sometimes I get into these dark moods. Did you look into that support group I told you to check out? I want you to think about it. 
I need to do things that remind me that I'm in control. People don't like messy. We're different. I know that he's kind of dangerous. No, he's not. I've texted him for the past couple days and he hasn't responded. He's not easy. He just gets in this mood sometimes. Where do you go when you disappear? Tell me something real about you. I just get a little lost sometimes. People don't like messy, right? Boy, when you hear that trailer, you could tell what kind of weekend I had. <laughs> All the bright places, though. Another film about death. Another film about love after death. I think it's something I can relate to a little bit in my life. But this film, yeah, I mean, it stars Elle Fanning, who's great. Justice Smith, who's also great. And Alexandra Ship, who you've seen in a ton of things, too. She plays... Uh, the older sister character, and it's about um, two people kind of overcoming teenage stuff, but more important than that. Uh, Eleanor, who's played by Elle Fanning, her sister passed away in a car accident with her. Hmm. (laughs) Sounds familiar. You get why people say that there are a lot of uh, similar films in 2020, that's for sure, when it comes to teen films. Um, But her sister died in a car accident, I believe, and she survived. She has this survivor's guilt, and uh, the character that Justice Smith plays, um, Theodore, he's got some issues as well. It's said in places that he's undiagnosed bipolar, but he's kind of the manic pixie dream boy of the film, if you will. He's kind of here to help Violet, who's played by Elle Fanning once again, get through all the tough stuff that she's going through again i'm not going to spoil the ending it's a good movie though rotten tomatoes not kind as well 66 percent, 60 percent by the audience so i mean not a's here but we get it it is what it is and honestly i'm gonna increase the score in my book i enjoyed watching this film maybe because i could relate to it maybe because i enjoyed the performances And the performances were awesome. If there's a bright spot in 2020, there's so many good young actors in Hollywood. And I just, honestly, I think everyone knows Elle Fanning is good. But check out the work of Justice Smith. It's great seeing a person of color as a lead in a film. It's awesome because, frankly, in this podcast, you hardly, hardly ever see it. Let's see. He's mostly known as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And he's also in Detective Pikachu. All right. <laughs> Again, I think he just does such an awesome job in this film. They all do. By the way, Keegan-Michael Key, who's been in a couple teen films this year, is amazing in this. Luke Wilson's in this as well. Crazy. It's weird seeing him as like a stern kind of dad here. <laughs> he's not that stern, but he's not like he's not like old school Luke Wilson, I guess that's what I'm saying. So this was directed by Brett Haley. And it was written by Jennifer Niven and Liz Hanna. And Jennifer Niven wrote the novel, All the Bright Places. So she got to take part in the screenplay as well. Love to see that. Once again, another thing based off a YA novel. Another recurring theme this year. And if I didn't mention already, this was available on Netflix. This is a Netflix-produced film. Check it out there. A lot of Netflix-produced teen films this year. Tell you that much. Including this next one we'll talk about. The half of it. Give it up next for Ellie Chu. Chu. 
The good thing about being different in a town like this is that no one expects you to be like them. I'm 17. I live in Squamish with my dad. I run a business, writing essays for people. I guess I just never thought I'd need anyone else. Hey, hold up! Ten dollars for three pages. No, I'm not trying to cheat. What's this? A letter. Maybe you can make me sound smart. Dear Astor Flores, I'm in love with you. Ooh. These hallways are murder. I'm Ali Chu. Yeah, I know. You want a letter about love? I'll write you a letter about love. So I really liked the half of it, and the critics agreed. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. 81% by the audience, which is less, but still really good. I don't know. It, it was kind of uh, inspiring to me. Did it deal with death? Yes, but the death of the mother, didn't. the death did not occur in the film which is good. I'm not spoiling anything. Don't worry. It's a cool story. It's an LGBTQ story, but it doesn't seem like that at certain points. A lot of teenage angst, a lot of teenage heart, you know, good stuff. Uh, I wanted to cover the half of it on the show, but I couldn't find a guest. So if you're interested in covering the half of it with me, by all means, we'll figure something out. Like I said, I do want to cover a lot of these movies. And it had that old uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, Thing, which we've seen in a lot of teen films in the past. I get it. I understand that that's a trope, but I love it. I do this show because I love those tropes. So as I mentioned, it was a Netflix film. It starred Leah Lewis, Daniel Demir, Alexis Lemery, and Colin Chow. Honestly, everyone was so good in this film, particularly the lead Leah Lewis as Ellie Chu. She is so, so good I, I, again, I had a blast watching this film. It was directed by Alice Wu. It was written by Alice Wu. It wasn't based on a YA novel, which was great to see. Again, I, I don't hate YA novels, but it was nice to see that there was one that wasn't. But, I don't know, this was a cute movie. This was a cute movie that I really enjoyed. I don't want to give away too much. Highly recommend. Basically, Ellie Chu lives in this Washington town. She's kind of an introvert. She's kind of a loner. She lost her mother, and her father's been pretty quiet since. He's pretty strict, but he doesn't speak a lot of English. Mostly speaks Chinese. That's how she communicates to him. They run a railway signal, which is kind of cool. It's kind of interesting, so there's a lot of scenes in there. He's an engineer, but she does some shifts as well. But it seems like the train only passes through their town like four times a day, if that. So she just has to be in there to switch the signal for it when it happens, which is super interesting and super fun. Uh, Once again, I I can't recommend this movie enough. I know some people out there, some listeners said they weren't too big of fans of it or it was just meh. I don't know. I enjoyed it, and I know I seem like a Mary Sue today, but whatever. It was different. It was fun. It was sad at times, but I don't know, also very good. And one thing I wanted to note, it was shot like near where I grew up. So there's a moment where Ellie's riding her bicycle exactly where I used to ride my bike, and I'm like, whoa, is that? Oh my god, it is. So yeah, good stuff here. Definitely, definitely check it out. Netflix scoring some wins this year, that's for sure. And speaking of Netflix, again, if you want to keep the crying up, if you want to keep the tears up, but also the uplifting feelings up, a lot of heart here, watch a film called All Together Now on Netflix. 
Is everyone ready? Yes. yes. Okay, stand up, stand up. Hit it, Father G. Hendrix, Fox and Fox. Hey, Amber. Okay. Hey. Hi. Have you hooked up with that boyfriend of yours? Joan. Youth is precious, so you should enjoy it. <gasps> So, for the variety show, Ricky's gonna do a pun off. Put me down as Lingo Star. I love it. Uh, Mr. Franks? No. What? You are All the world's a stage. The end. Right? Is that what it is? I don't know. I have work to do, guys. So, I've been trying to text you, but I keep on getting delivery failure. Mom? I'm sorry. We're gonna be okay. I'm gonna aim low, Mom. We're gonna be spectacular. Just my girl. Mr. Franks, can I show you something? Whoa! You're being asked to audition at Carnegie Mellon. It's incredible! Mom, what's going on? They found out I got fired. Amber, we're gonna figure something out, all right? What's going on here? Donna says I can stay here for a few nights. Absolutely not. I'm the mother. I'm the one that keeps things together. Really, Mom? I'm doing my best. Mom, we can start over. Life is so much more complicated than you think, baby. pain that you're feeling, channel it, put it into your song. That's what an artist does. And you, you're an artist. You do so much for other people. Let us help you. I don't need it. What is so bad about needing help? You expect the rest of us to watch you go down the drain and that is not fair. Not fair. Amber, you are suffering and you won't admit it. Just leave me alone. Okay, so... This film, as I said, it's uplifting, but also tragic at times. I cried at the end of it. I'm not going to say why. Uh, And it's directed, it's directed actually by Brett Haley. Remember his name? I hope you do, because we mentioned him earlier. He also directed All the Bright Places. So interesting. This film also involves a deadly car crash. I know with all that being said, I still enjoyed it. The end was great. It was uplifting. Is it a little, again, cheesy? Sure. But sometimes we need that. I'm sorry. Sometimes we do. (laughs) All together now. So, it stars, and I know I'm going to wreck the pronunciation of this name, but Auli Cravalho. Auli Cravalho. And you might recognize her voice because she's the voice of Moana. And she is so good in this movie. But Justina Machado is in the film as well. She's from One Life to Live. Fred Armisen. Carol Burnett, the great Carol Burnett. Yeah, I really did love this cast, particularly as well. Um, he was sort of the love interest. His name is Renzi Feliz. Dominican actor. Like to see some Dominican representation in these films. And this is a film about basically a go-getter who, trying her best, helps every single person out in her life. But on the home front, she's homeless, she needs help, and she won't accept help. So at the end of the day, you probably can guess what happens. It's a good movie, though. It's a fun, uplifting movie. Check it out. A lot of good music, a lot of good laughs. All together now, I recommend as well. What did Rotten Tomatoes say? I don't even know. I don't even care, honestly, but I have to do it because of my contract with Rotten Tomatoes. JK, I don't have a contract with anyone. 71% by the critics, 72% by the audience. I think that's fair. Maybe a tick higher. I'd maybe probably give this one a B. At the end of the day, if you like movies like this, check it out. I should mention, once again, another recurring theme. This is 
based on a book written by Matthew Quick called Sort of Like a Rockstar. Shall we stick with the Netflix theme? I think so. The next film we're going to talk about was another one available on Netflix. And I think it was a big hit this year. At least uh, it was more in like the cultural zeitgeist than the other films we're talking about today. I think that's because of the star. And it's not your traditional high school film, but it did have a teenager in it. So we're going to count it. It was Enola Holmes. Now where to begin? My mother named me Enola which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society? She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Enola. Yours, or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. So if you haven't caught on, I'm just going to be playing clips for you or or part of the trailer just so you get a little bit of the idea. But Enola Holmes, I feel like this was a big hit in 2020. People were really, really excited for it. It was based on another YA, <laughs> another YA novel uh, called Enola Holmes, of course, by Nancy Springer. I think the exact title of this one was The Enola Holmes Mysteries, The Case of the mistering Marquis, Marques? I don't know. I guess it's Marques. I never know these European pronunciations of these titles or things. And of course, this starred Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, who I really love. I thought she did a great job here. I see some internet hate for her. I don't know why. If there's a reason, let me know. (laughs) But if not, I don't know. I think she's great in this. This was a really, really fun film. Big cast. Henry Cavill, Sam Claffin, who else was in it? Was, oh, pff, Helena Bonham Carter. So it was a really good movie. Enola Holmes is, of course, the sister, the younger sister of Sherlock Holmes. So kind of the YA version of the film. It was supposed to be in the theater, actually. But this is one of those that Netflix kind of like bought and made a Netflix film. Came out in September. I think a lot of people, again, really liked it. There was, was some controversy. I can't remember doesn't matter at this point i highly recommend watching enola holmes a much more uplifting tale though her father is dead but way before the events of the story (laughs) but a much more uplifting tale for 2020 teen films the rest of these i'm going to talk about you're going to be like wow bring us some more enola holmes really (laughs) so plus a plus effort for enola holmes did i mention a director his name is harry bradbeer harry bradbeer for those of you keeping score at home So 91% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 71% by the audience. That's around where my score is. I really, really, again, enjoyed this movie. And let's talk about another unique and uplifting movie, not on the scale of Enola Holmes. And by the way, this one you could stream on Amazon, not Netflix, but still on Prime. I didn't have to pay an extra fee for it. And it was called The Vast of Night. Number, please. Hello? Is this Wayne? Why are you asking Toby 
This is WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Now, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Cool. Aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Edward, it's Faye. I'm the sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What a sound like? Seven eighteen here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. They've come here before. They've liked this place. They always have. So you know when you watch a film by a first-time director and you're like, wow, this kid's got something. That's definitely how I felt with The Vast of Night and the director, Andrew Patterson. This was the most unique film I watched in the whole series here. It actually debuted in 2019 at the Slam Dance Film Festival, where I believe it won something big there. But it actually came out in 2020 because Amazon got behind it, pushed it on Prime. Once again, you could watch it on Prime. And it's a sci-fi movie, very different than, again, the other movies of 2020, but different than some other sci-fi movies I've seen. It takes place in the 50s in New Mexico, and I don't know. There's something about it that I'm just like really, really, really excited about. There's a feel to it, a look to it. It was done on a shoestring budget, but I was enthralled. Like the rest of these movies I was kind of watching in the background. This one, I was focused and in the entire time. I mean, the critics agreed as well. 92% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 65% by the audience. And I get it's not for everyone, but I think it was definitely for me, a breath of fresh air. Again, maybe because it was so different than the other films I had been watching in this marathon. I don't know, but it starred Sierra McCormick, and I think she's from Supernatural, and a guy named Jake Horowitz, and they play like a teenage, one's a teenage DJ, and the other one's a teenage radio enthusiast slash switchboard operator. The visuals were so cool and so authentic, and I was just mesmerized. This guy self-financed this film, and yet it looked so good. If you're not into sci-fi, maybe you're not down with it, but it was kind of like a Super 8 meets a Twilight Zone episode. I don't know. I highly recommend The Vast of Night, especially if you're into this stuff. Check it out on Amazon Prime. We had a lot of movies take place in New Mexico or be filmed around New Mexico <laughs> in this run. I don't know if New Mexico was giving out credits or something uh, in 2019 to make films, but we had three on the list, I think, off the top of my head that took place largely in New Mexico. The next one I'm going to talk about was on Disney+. Plus. Free for Disney Plus users. It wasn't like Mulan. You didn't have to pay anything. And it was called Stargirl. That was the first time I saw her. But before we talk about her, I have to tell you something about me. When I was nine, we moved to Micah, Arizona. As the new kid, I became the center of attention real fast. And not in a good way. It was then that I realized I was going to need to disappear. No one would see me. No one would hear me. I was going to have to be just like everybody else. And then, one day... When some loud 
What's her name anyway? Stargirl. My name is Stargirl. So be true to your school. You should talk to her. She likes you. She doesn't. Be true to your school now. And let your colors fly. You know I love that song. So Stargirl, Disney Plus movie. It was very Disney-ish, so if you're looking for something that's edgy and dark, honestly, don't go to Disney+. Plus. It's about two teens. One of them lost his father. Surprise, surprise. Very young, and he's still coping with that a little bit. Definitely a quirky film. And he meets a new girl in class, Stargirl, and let's just say it changes his entire outlook on life. This was more of a kids movie, kind of an uplifting kind of kids movie so it is based on a ya novel and i know you probably heard in that little clip of the trailer that it takes place in arizona but trust me it was filmed in new mexico um it stars grace vanderwall who i didn't really know but apparently she's like a tiktok youtube star very good ukulele player and she was awesome in this role as the title character star girl she sang she played music i think she has big things in her future big things in her future kid second time i've done that voice i don't know why <laughs> it also starred graham verisher verisher i apologize graham if i'm butchering your name i think you did a great job as well if you're listening graham verisher we'll say it's that it was directed by julia hart based on a ya novel by jerry spinelli of the same name the biggest criticism people had of this film and i tend to agree that the star girl character is a little bit of a I'm going to use it again, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I shouldn't say a little bit. She is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. However, it's so innocent and so cute, and I think the acting is done so well that this movie went under the radar. I like the songs. I thought they were awesome. There's a mystery of the movie. There's an intrigue of the movie. It kind of has a magic realism quality to it. It also has Giancarlo Esposito. More on that later. By the way, The Mandalorian. Oh, my God. Not for this show. Anyway, <laughs> Star Wars, Star Girl, still not related. 72% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 72% by the audience. I think that's a fair score. Those are good scores. If you're into these kind of movies, once again, I highly recommend. We got some good movies this year. There's a lot of competition. But if you're a kid or a tween, I think you're really, really going to like this film, Star Girl. So let me mention Giancarlo Esposito again. I bring him up because he's in another film we're going to cover that we're going to talk about next. One for HBO Max, not Disney+, Plus, but was also shot in New Mexico. So I kind of hypothesized that between his Mandalorian run, Giancarlo Esposito is used to filming in New Mexico. Hello, Breaking Bad. He probably went to film something like Stargirl in New Mexico, and his agent was like, hey, there's another kind of teen film that's going to film there that you don't have to be involved a lot in. You want to do that too at the same time? Sure. You know? (laughs) And the film we're going to talk about is called Unpregnant, once again on HBO Max. Fine, you're fine. You always use a condom, so. Hey, dude. <laughs> I've got this thing. If a young woman needs a procedure, is that possible? Where's the closest facility? There's an Albuquerque in Missouri. The law won't let me get one without my parents knowing. I know we're not close anymore. True. And I'm the last person that you want to help. Accurate. But I need your help, and I don't have anywhere else to go. Go where? To get the thing, the, the procedure. So you're hiding this from your man? 
your best friend. Hey, girl. And your Jesus freak parents. And you thought, why not ask Bailey Butler to drive me hundreds of miles? Because she probably doesn't have anything to do anyway. Kind of, yes. Bailey, Bailey, come on. I'm just messing with you. You're right, I do not have anything going on. I thought you drove a Camry. <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico. We'll be in Albuquerque by tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. No. And we'll be home Sunday evening. So, I love a good road trip movie. Obviously, you know I like teen films, so... I was all about Unpregnant. I thought it was a really, really good film. It deals with some heavy stuff, abortion, and uh, it's about a girl who gets pregnant by her doofus jock boyfriend, and uh, she doesn't want to keep the baby, and she realizes in her state of Missouri she needs parental consent. Her parents are pretty conservative, so she needs to go to New Mexico to get this abortion, and she bonds with an old friend who basically, it's one of these friends, and we see this trope a lot in teen films, like they were friends when they were younger, but they had a falling out. But this is the only girl she can trust because A, she's the one who find, found out that she was pregnant with her because they happened to be in the bathroom at the same time. And B, she has a car. So they head on this wacky road trip to New Mexico to get this abortion. And as I say that, some of you are like, that sounds awesome. And I'm sure there's some of you who are cringing because abortion still, unfortunately, is a hot topic in this country. So when you read the reviews for this film, the critics really liked it, but the audience scores are pretty bad. And I was like, why? This was really fun. Now, were there some like allusions to movies that maybe did it better, like Booksmart and Superbad? Sure. But I could not get enough of this film. I thought it was funny. I thought it was fun. I thought it was very progressive. 89% by the critics, but only 21% by the audience. And that's a really bad score. But I dug through the reviews, and most of the negative scores were like, oh, how could you make a fun, witty tale about abortion? How could you make abortion funny? It's very serious. This is a divided country when it comes to that. I get it. You probably know where I stand. I enjoyed this movie, but I know it's not for everyone. I totally get it. But I wanted to highlight the performances of the leads here. Fans of this show know I love Haley Lou Richardson. She was awesome in this, but also Barbie Ferreira, who played her friend, I thought she was really good. You probably know her in Euphoria. She plays Kat Hernandez. I really, really, really like her. So they played a great tandem. I thought they had great chemistry. Was the dialogue a little cheesy? Fine. I don't care. I had a good time. This is one of those feel-good, believe it or not, feel-good, fun stories that dealt with a lot of heavy issues, sure. But also, road trip movie, I'm always going to take that. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. Another person in the cast? High School Slumber Party alumni, Brecken Meyer. I thought he was great. And as I mentioned before, Giancarlo Esposito shows up. You can't complain with that. So once again, this movie is only available on HBO Max. So you want to check it out there if you have HBO Max. This is like an HBO Max produced film, if you will. It's only there. It's never going to be anywhere else, I guess. But definitely check out Unpregnant. It was one of two abortion stories, believe it or not, this year. And they were very, very similar but different enough that they were both worthy of my acclaim. The other one it was called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. 
I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. Down beneath the ashes and stone. I'm just not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. Going to New York? What are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. Used to be on street. Who came with you today? My cousin. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. I'll figure it out. This area's closed. Do not sleep here. Where's the rest of the money? La, 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 la. I want to make sure that you're safe. So this one was also available on HBO Max. HBO Max, locking down those abortion films. Okay. This one was really, really, really good too. But if Unpregnant was like the funny, quirky abortion tale, this was the serious, real abortion tale. I was hooked to the screen the entire time. This might be my top movie, my top teen movie of the year. It was so good. Look, Rotten Tomatoes, 99% by the critics. 20% by the audience, though. What does that tell you? There are a lot of anti-abortion activists commenting on this and making that score go down. It's a hotly contested thing, but isn't that what art should be about? It can't always be about the easy stuff. Sometimes it's about the hard stuff. And this is a hard thing. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. If you didn't watch it, watch it. I guess it's going to depend where you are on the political aisle. I don't think it's a political issue but whatever, it clearly is in this country. Oh my God, though. This, if you want a journey of what it's like to kind of go through an abortion as a teenager, this is the movie for you. I don't know if you've ever said that out loud, so maybe not, but trust me, this is the movie for you. It won like a silver bear. I knew it won some kind of bear at the Berlin Film Festival. It was written and directed by Eliza Hittman. I think I said this already, but definitely, definitely check it out. It stars Sidney Flanagan, Talia Ryder, some other wonderful people, Theodore Pellerin, Ryan Eggold, and Sharon Van Etten. That's the listed cast, and Sidney Flanagan is so good in the lead. I know that's a recurring theme, but isn't that a good thing, right? Don't we have a lot of great young actors? And basically, similar to Unpregnant, she gets impregnated, by her idiot jock boyfriend, or, or some, I don't think they're a boyfriend and girlfriend, some guy, and he's an asshole. He's worse than the unpregnant boyfriend, but you learn that later in the movie. He's just a jerk. She doesn't want to keep this baby, but she comes from a conservative family. And in Pennsylvania, you need to let your family know and they need to consent for you to get an abortion. It's closer for her. She needs to go to New York, not Albuquerque, to get this abortion. However, it's harder for her to leave. She clearly has less money. She works as a checkout girl with her cousin, and they kind of steal some money from work and go to New York. They think it's going to be a quick procedure. It ends up being a much longer procedure. They have to stay there all weekend. They're homeless all weekend, and yeah, 
It's just about perseverance and surviving and coming home, and it really highlights how hard it is to get an abortion in this country. Again, that's why the movie is so controversial, I'm sure, to some. But honestly, I learned from this movie, I loved this movie, and I definitely, definitely want you to check out this film. The part of New York it shows is so gritty and so real, and this is such a real human story in a time when there's a lot of silliness out there and a lot of sadness out there too, and I know you might not be in the mood for a real human story, but if you are, never, rarely, sometimes, always, to me, it's just an honest, unabashed look about a teenager who has to get an abortion. As simple as that. I think Unpregnant had more political leanings. This one certainly does as well. I'm not saying it doesn't. But, on the other hand, this is more just like, I felt like I was just watching a documentary more than I was watching a fun narrative film, if that makes sense at all. Let me know what you think about this one, because I'm really, really curious. I think we should move back to Disney Plus to maybe have less realistic stories and more, more, you know, uplifting stories. How about a story about a kid with cancer, true story, who writes a hit song and then dies? Not a spoiler, because it's a true story. <laughs> oh boy. Let's talk about clouds. Here's the thing. I like you. I know your diagnosis complicates things, but I don't care. Hey, man. Do you like me? Yes, I do. Even but... though I don't have cancer? <laughs> Make your move, Romeo. <laughs> Most teenagers feel like they're invincible. Not the Superman kind of invincible. The kind of invincible that tricks you into thinking tomorrow might be a better day to start chasing your dreams. I'm gonna throw up. We've been through this, just breathe. You are my best friend, so you are morally obligated to say nice things to me. Everybody else out there is not my best friend. If everyone else doesn't like it, then they're idiots. And while there's a lot that I don't know at my age, what I do know is this. We all have limited time. Tell me something you never told before, before I walk through the door. I adore you, I adore you. I do. How are you? Off chemo. Is it because it worked or? Or. I do. What you're facing is scary, but you get to decide what matters most now. Never give up. Shut the front door. Are you writing a song? Hello. I was thinking it might be cool if we did something that was just ours. Fix me up, my darling. Zach, have you looked on YouTube? You have 20,000 views? You should be happy. I thought this is what you wanted. It doesn't really matter what I want because it's not going to happen. It's not fair. Stop. I have nothing to give you. No ring, Zach. no future, nothing. Zach. There's so much in there that the world needs to hear. What are you going to do with it? This is insane. Just breathe. We'll go up, 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 but I'll fly a little higher. Oh boy, I love awkwardly cutting trailers in half. <laughs> so Clouds is a true story, as I mentioned, available on Disney+, Plus. so you can kind of get the tone from there. Definitely a sad movie. Did I cry? Yes. It uh, was directed by Justin Baldoni, and it was written by Karen Holden from a story she helped write based on a memoir, at least it's not a YA fiction, based on a memoir called Fly a Little Higher, how God Answered a Mom's Small Prayer. So it stars Finn Argus, Sabrina Carpenter, who we'll see in another film that I watched, Madison Eisman, Nev Campbell as the mom. That's great. Great to see her. 
I feel like she's got some high school slumber party street cred. It's based on the life of Zach Sobeck. And basically, true story, was a kid who formed a band with his best friend. And they started making music when he found out that he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. But he was very positive about it. And he wanted to just be an inspiration. And one of his songs called Clouds actually was a top 10 hit in the U.S. and like number one in some European countries. And unfortunately, he passed away. So it's a real sad story. This is his story about him and his family. It's a little hokey, a lot of religious stuff too. It's not like overly religious. I'm not saying that, but his family was a family with faith. I actually really enjoyed it. And I think this is a crowd pleaser more than it is a critical film. It did get 76% by the critics, but 91% by the audience. That's a huge score. I think it went a little bit under the radar, too, with COVID and all that, and maybe people not wanting to watch a movie like this. But it is rather uplifting, considering what it's about. I know I sound crazy liking all these movies, and they're all about death and whatever, but I don't know. I'm down with it. Maybe 2020 put me in the mood. Who knows? Again, great performances here as well. Check it out. That song will stay in your head, but you're probably going to cry. It is sad. It is homey. Check out Clouds. And when I watched Clouds, I decided to stay on Disney+. Plus. I didn't realize that a Pixar film was actually a teen film, a high school film. And that film was Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. I'm a mighty warrior! Morning, Mom! Hey, birthday boy! By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard! What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm going to meet Dad. So when I was looking at films to watch, I was actually surprised that Onward was technically a teen film, a high school film. But it is. uh, The main characters in high school, his older brother, I'm not sure if he is. Probably not. He seems like either a dropout (laughs) or if he's not a dropout, he's like maybe college age, but he's not going to college. It stars voices from Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, and Octavia Spencer. It was a load of fun. Come on, it's Pixar. We know it's good. I know it did not do well, but that was because of pandemic, COVID-related things. I think that's why. It ended up losing the studio $125 million. But again, not a movie for its time. I don't think they uh, marketed it well. It got released on March 6th. March 6th. Do you remember where you were March 6th? Yeah, exactly. I think if it came out in August or something and it was straight VOD like that, I think the kids would have loved it. I liked it. I think they released Trolls. That was like the first VOD like kids movie and it did amazing. So definitely, definitely something I think people missed because of bad timing and such. But check it out. It's really cute. It's really cool. It has a lot of heart. Is it typical Pixar formula? Sure. 
dead father again. <laughs> the trend of 2020, dead parent or dead teen. However, it is really cool. Real twist ending. I was really surprised with how it ended. But really, check out Onward because you know everything Pixar does is good. You might as well watch it. It's worth it. And I really feel bad that it slipped under the radar. I didn't even know it was a high school film, like I said. The concept was really that uh, they live in kind of a fairy tale land. There's fairies and goblins and, and griffins and all these sort of mythical creatures. But it's set today and kind of the magic has gone away. As I mentioned, the main character's father has passed away, but he finds out that he can bring him back to life for just 24 hours. In the middle of the spell, it doesn't work, so they only have half of their dad, and they have to find this crystal, and they go on this quest to find this crystal. But it's a fun, funny quest. Again, it's definitely a movie you should check out. So let's move from Disney Plus to Netflix, if you will, and let's talk a God movie, a religious movie. In a way. <laughs> yes. God, yes. Everyone's been talking about you and Wade. They're saying you tossed a salad. I mean, I've never even heard of dressing someone salad. We were only gone for like a minute. Yeah, that's long enough for Wade. You are here as a part of God's plan. His spirit moved each of you to sign up for this retreat. Alice, right? Yeah. Welcome. It's okay if you think things are totally weird. <laughs> I'm going to need your cell phone and watch. You won't be needing a watch this weekend anyway because you're on Jesus's time. <laughs> See ya. So this film was written and directed by Karen Maine, and it stars Natalie Dyer of Stranger Things. It was her directorial debut. She actually released a short film about this same subject, also with Natalie Dyer, and she got financing for a feature-length film. It is a short film, though, which is good when you're doing a marathon, only 78 minutes long, but it's about a girl in Catholic school who is kind of just starting her sexual exploration out if you will, in a very, very, once again, conservative, conservative environment. A rumor started about her, which implores her to go onto a church retreat with her principal, Father Murphy, and some of her more religious students, where she essentially realizes everyone's a hypocrite, more or less. But again, it's another movie about self-discovery. Once again, I really enjoyed it. And the thing I enjoyed most about this film, that it really depicts my childhood no, I didn't grow up a girl in Catholic school and this didn't happen to me. But this is one of the only films that I've seen that dealt with high school exactly when I went to high school, but from today's lens. So it takes place in the early 2000s and it deals a lot with like AOL chatting and the creeps that used to exist on there. Oh my God, it brought me back to some dark, dark, dark internet times when I was a kid. Yeah, but <laughs> in that respect, I could really connect with it. I enjoyed it. Again, not for everyone, especially maybe if you're super religious. But I think it does strike that nice balance between mockery and truth, if that makes sense. 67% by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure if that is some negative religious feedback or what, but 94% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. This was another good film, an easy watch, a fun watch. Is it cringy at moments? Of course, but it feels real and quirky. Definitely, I recommend Yes 
God, yes. Shall we stick with Netflix? Shall we stick with kind of sort of sex comedies, if you will? Well, if this was a kind of sort of sex comedy, this next one is a sex comedy. And if you think I've been too nice to movies, well, my tone's going to change with this one. This one is called American Pie Presents Girls Rules. Guys, we're all lacking something in the romance area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rule one, fix our romantic lives. Rule number two, we support our fellow women. And we won't let each other get away with our usual sh**. <laughs> Welcome to the annual back to school party! Fresh meat. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> We're using the party gods to seduce a new guy. Wow, you need to sacrifice a virgin or something? No, don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> the guy you might be looking for might be right under your oyster. I mean, it is a beautiful time to be alive, ladies. Am I right? Ladies, please raise your glasses. The girls' rules. Okay, one, please stop making American Pie films. I know you like using that banner because it makes you a little bit of money, gives you a little credibility, but it's been what? How many years has it been? 20 years? I don't know. I was in middle school when American Pie came out, and now I, I host a podcast about this stuff, so it has to have been a long time, right? At least 15 years. I don't know. I think American Pie is 2000. 20 years? Ugh. (laughs) So we don't have to be calling it American Pie. We can just make our own unique stories. I hate this. It's not like there was like Animal House 7. Well, maybe there was and I didn't even know. Who knows? But we get it. It's an American Pie film. But this one twists things on its head. Because this one, the ladies are in charge in girls' rules. All right. Number two soapbox thing. If you're going to flip the script and do the old gender reversal thing, shouldn't you let a woman write it and direct it? Nope. (laughs) That is not what they did here. That is not at all. The whole thing feels fake and contrived, and the dialogue feels crappy. Honestly, the second half of the movie was better than the first half of the movie. I'm not sure why, but it seemed better written. The beginning was just like, let's throw as many pies in there as possible to remind you that it's an American Pie movie. The director was Mike Elliott. It was written by Blaine Weaver and David H. Steinberg. And the history of this film, apparently they had a script for this 10 years ago, but with guys, and there was some delays in it, but they decided to release it in 2020. But again, just substituted the guys with the girls. And I'm all for things, again, like Booksmart that are like, see? Girls can be like this. Girls can do a super bad. But that feels educated. This feels sometimes like they just took the guys' names out and put the girls' names in. And Superbad's a good movie. So if you flip it on its head with Booksmart, it could be a good movie, right? American Pie, while nostalgic and fun and certainly groundbreaking and certainly important in the history of high school films, it's not what I would call a good movie. Then again, when I mean good movie, I mean like well-written Oscar worthy. Again, today I've talked about movies about dying kids. No one dies in this one, so I don't know what to tell you. But maybe I should lower my expectations. This is like the seventh or eighth or ninth or something American Pie sequel. This director has directed previous American Pie sequels. Normally they were straight to DVD. That's not really a thing anymore. So it's straight to streaming. This one, like, as I mentioned, you can catch on Netflix. Oh, it was released straight to DVD in, on October 6th, but it also. 
went straight to Netflix as well, I guess. This is the first one without Eugene Levy. I guess I guess after Shit's Creek, he feels like he doesn't have to do this anymore, but it did have a lot of pies. I will say some nice things about it. I thought, once again, the cast did a really good job of what they were given, especially Madison Pettis, who's the lead. Like seeing her again. She was in that rock movie, The Game Plan, as a kid. But there were a lot of people of color in this film. There were a lot of uh, non-traditional people in this film. I liked it. Danny Trejo's randomly a janitor, <laughs> whatever. But it was one of these things where I could tell they tried to do something that was progressive and they failed. So I'll say this, despite it getting Rotten Tomatoes 30% by the critics, 12% by the audience, yuck. And but despite it being really dumb and not feeling like it should be in 2020, it felt more like 2010 or even 2000. I think they could reboot American Pie more from a girl's perspective, but this is not it. (laughs) This is not it. I feel bad for the actors in this. I think they deserved better. I know it's supposed to be a silly sex romp, and perhaps there's still a market for this, but it just felt so out of place, so weird, so cringy at times, and that's not to say, ooh, girls movie, this should be dainty. Not at all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this is a piece of hot garbage. <laughs> the enjoyable parts for the actors, I laughed at some points, but it was like an hour and a half, maybe, and I felt like I was watching it for three hours, and I don't know why. So if you want my worst teen film of the year, it might be American Pie Girls Rule. I'm sorry to the people who worked hard on this. I really apologize, but yeah, it doesn't get good marks in my book. I mean, I did mention the actors. I should mention the rest of them just to give them a little props. Uh, Liz Broadway played Stephanie. Stephanie Stifler, by the way. She's some random Stifler cousin, and she might as well be a Stifler because she acts like one. I think there's one point where she's like, nice dick to a guy. So weird. <laughs> Piper Curta plays Kayla. Natasha Benham plays Michelle. And again, I thought they were all good. Sarah Rue actually stood out. It's just kind of like progressive, progressive uh, principal lady. But yeah. If you're going to avoid one film, it's probably American Pie Presents Girls Rules. Sorry. (laughs) So the next couple films we've covered in long form on High Swiss Slumber Party, but I have to mention them. They all are kind of together in my mind because they deal more with teachers and mentors rather than students. Are students involved? Sure. But... These three films are pretty similar in certain ways and very different in certain ways. They're all probably in my top 10, top 15 movies of the year. They're all amazing in my mind. And the first one is one we covered in Pandemic. It was our first Monday movie, actually. The first one that we decided to do like, hey, let's release twice a week. And of course, the guest was the godfather, Joey Lewandowski himself. And the film was Ben Affleck in The Way Back. What's going on with you? What's new? Not much. I hate the idea of you down there by yourself all the time. Just drinking. I'm fine. I appreciate it. But it's... I'm fine. Ever since I heard the how and when And I suppose you're wondering why I called you over here. I didn't need to go where a Bible went Our basketball coach had a heart attack the other night. 
They need a new coach, Jack. Then you know your gifts seem heaven sent. Is the team any good? No. The last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. Let's go, line up. You're Marcus, right? That's right. How many threes did Marcus make last year? A percentage of 26. Yeah. Want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. Oh. <laughs> Yo, he just spit backs at your ass, bro. <laughs> So The Way Back was one of those movies that I also think went a little bit under the radar because it came out in pandemic. At least they decided this one, again, I know we're still in pandemic. No one get on me for that. But you know what I mean? Like in the heart of it, the beginning where we were very scared and confused and Hollywood hadn't yet figured out how to release and market these films in the pandemic world. That's what I mean. Okay. <laughs> so The Way Back came out on March 6th once again. And this one was straight to VOD, but originally it wasn't supposed to be, and I think people were still confused at the time, didn't know how long things were going to last, but this is a Ben Affleck vehicle. It was directed by Gavin O'Connor, but this is all about Ben Affleck, and it feels like a little bit of a comeback, if you will, for him. It deals with alcoholism and struggle, and once again, struggle with death and grief and all that, and Ben Affleck, he plays a basketball coach a former star of this high school who comes back to coach the team and he's balancing his alcoholism and the grief all together. Again, this is Ben Affleck just being his best Ben Affleck. There's his worst Ben Affleck. I totally agree with that. But the best of Ben Affleck is how he acts in this movie. He's so good at this. I don't know if it's going to get any kind of Oscar recognition, but critics really uh, applauded his performance. It was 84% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, 84% by the audience. That's about fair. I'm not sure what Joey and I gave it at the time. I remember really enjoying it at the time. I'd have to re-watch it again. But yeah, if you want to hear more about it, check out that episode on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcasts. This next film is also a mentor-ish kind of film, if you will. And the thing it has in common is it deals with alcoholism as well and drinking and teachers. We just covered it. I loved it. It was with Kyle Reinfried himself, the foodie films man, and the film is Another Round. And I'm not going to play a trailer. You know why? Because it's all in Danish. This was a Danish film starring Mads Mikkelsen, and it was so good as well. Oh, my God. The theme song is still on my head. What a life. What a life. What a beautiful, beautiful life. It's getting Oscar buzz in the uh, international films category. I definitely think it should win, but I haven't seen enough of it. So it's known as Druck or Drunk in other countries. The director, Thomas Vintenberg, again, a Danish film director. This is one of those films where it just lingers with you in a positive way. It's up and down. It also deals with grieving and death at certain points. It's about a group of middle-aged teachers who read this philosophy that you should be five 0.05% blood alcohol content, so a little tipsy during the day, and they think it's going to restore their creativity, and at first it goes well, but they raise that to 0.01% or 0.1%. I don't know the percentages, whatever. They, they drink too much. Hijinks ensue. It's rough at times. It's sad at times. It's dark at times, but it has this great, great ending. And this isn't a spoiler because I've shared this, where Mads Mikkelsen just starts dancing. And I don't know if you knew this, but Mads Mikkelsen was a dancer before he was an actor. And this like kind of judo parkour style dancing at the end with the song, ugh, Chef's Kiss, lovely, beautiful. I highly recommend another round. It's too new. There isn't an audience score yet, but 92% by the critics. Ugh, once again. 
chef's kiss. Let's toast our glass to another round because this was a great movie. Is it your traditional high school teen film? No, it focuses on the teens a little, but it's much more on the teachers. But still, it fits in the genre. We talked about it. We covered it. And you can also check out that episode at our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And this next film, I think it's going to be our last film of this part one because we're just about halfway through all the teen films of 2020. God, I hope I didn't miss one. (laughs) And this next film stars my guy, one of my favorite actors of all time. It's also directed by him, John Leguizamo. And the film, a chess film, is Critical Thinking. We got our own hot streak here in Miami. It's going to hit 95. We ain't got no milk. Ain't getting none either. Hey, yo! Yo, yo! Now, people, this is going to be very basic for some of you. What you've got is 64 squares, 32 pieces. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, what Ivy League school you may go, may not go to, because chess is the great equalizer. We got a tournament coming up in a couple days. So we need to start really considering if we're serious about what we're doing here or not. Oh. Oh. Eddie on the mic, yep. I get hyped, don't oh. mess with me, cause chess is life. Yeah. The minute that you lose, you won't be losing. Days, I get my The board is fine spending $400 on footballs, but not with sending kids on a road trip to improve their minds. You can have them play marbles for all I care. Just keep the bodies in the seats. You're underestimating me, okay? And more importantly, them. So our guest, of course, was our chess expert, John Hardin. And I feel like since we covered it, this movie's gotten a little bit of a new life due to the explosion of interest in chess during this pandemic, largely because of Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which was awesome, by the way. (laughs) This, though, critical thinking, great story, not just because of the chess elements, but John Leguizamo directed it, helmed it. He always really pushes for these Latino stories, these Latin tales and This was a great one. This is a great story about an inner-city chess team that actually won the national championship, which, impressive as hell. It takes place in the 90s, but it's a timeless story. Definitely, definitely check it out. I really loved it. I already mentioned that John Leguizamo was the star and director. Also, the cast was really, really good, too. Michael K. Williams, Rachel Bay Jones, Jorge Lindenborg Jr., Angel Bismarck Curiel, Will Hotchman, Corwin Tuggles, Jeffrey Batista, Zora Castaberry, Ramses Jimenez, Todd Allen Durkin. That's pretty much the whole cast. But bravo for all of them. Seriously, they did such a good job. This is another movie that was going to premiere at South by Southwest. I think the theme this year in 2020 was a lot of these movies that seem so serious and so good. The reason they're so good was that they're film festival films that just kind of went straight to VOD. So we got to check them out early, and that was like the bulk of what we were watching because I was like, wow, there are a lot of teen stories. And yeah, I know a lot of them were based on YA stuff, but not all of them. Some of them were true stories like Critical Thinking. And that doesn't mean they're good or bad because of what they're based on. It's how you execute them, right? But Critical Thinking was executed really, really well. I enjoyed it, and I think I enjoy it more now than I did when we talked about it. So you definitely want to check out our episode on Critical Thinking. There's not enough of an audience score yet, but the critics gave it 93%. So you want to check out that episode 
with John Harden at our archive. Once again, at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Wow, we've talked about a lot of movies. I hope it didn't bore you. I hope this was a good primer for what you might want to watch. We'll be covering a lot of these in the coming years. Yes, I'll say it, years. We'll be covering a lot of them. But I don't know if I'll do this every year, but I really wanted to do this this year because I don't think there was the mechanisms... I think a lot of things went under the radar because it was all VOD. We have so many streaming services. It's hard to find everything. I don't think they know how to market everything. I've been saying for a while, and I know I'm not the only one who thinks this, that all these streaming services should have a channel that you just go on and it just streams stuff. Because cable, I don't have cable anymore, but when I had it, it was the best way to discover new things. In my opinion, I'm like, oh, what's this? Let me watch a little bit of it. Oh, that's cool. I think streaming services need to get with the program and do this so that we can discover more of these movies. So it's not just kind of luck of a draw on what gets clicked on and what doesn't. A lot of it is just the title image. You know, people click on things to the title image or the stars that are in it. And that's not fair. There were so many great movies this year. And we're going to talk about more of them on the next episode, whenever that is. It'll be sometime this week, I promise. So once again, I hope I didn't bore you. I hope you enjoyed this. Stay posted for part two of our 2020 teen film recap. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. And there were a lot of songs I could have chosen. I could have chosen, what a life, what a beautiful, beautiful life. I could have chosen clouds, but I don't feel like crying right now. I could have chosen a song from All Together Now. But I'm going to choose a song from that film, Stargirl. I know it's a cover, but it is so good. Maybe the best part of that movie. It's Grace Vanderwall's version of Be True to Your School. High School Movie News' Brian Rodriguez will also be on the next episode to give a little statistics of the teen films of 2020. And we'll also try to, I don't know, put a cap on this essay that is the films of 2020. Once again, hope you enjoyed this little menu and... Enjoy your holiday break. When some loud braggart tries to put me down and say his school is great, I tell her right away, now what's the matter, buddy? Ain't you heard of my school? It's number one in the state. Hey, hey, take it away! Get the ball and try your school
you're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.